0: You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Well, friends, you've heard of the boiling frog analogy, and we've probably heard too much of that analogy over the last several years as it becomes all too much obvious to all of us that this is, to some extent, what is taking place as they slowly turn up the heat in this pot of boiling water, and because they are doing it slowly, bit by bit by bit, most of the frogs will be happy to sit there and boil alive instead of jumping out of the water. Of course, the analogy is that if you were to put the the pot of water on a boiling, uh, already boiling plate, uh, the frogs would just jump out of it. But if you just slowly turn up the heat, the frogs will sit there and boil to death. Well... Unfortunately, it's even worse than that because it's not only that the frogs will sit there and boil to death, but they they will actually become used to it. They will actually start to grow fond of the boiling water and they will actually deride anyone who doesn't like the boiling water as crazy And This is a phenomenon that is unfortunately taking place right now, and tonight we're going to be going over that as it applies to the War on Terror, which we have been steeped in and inculcated with over the past 10 years. And it is getting worse and worse and worse. So I want to draw your attention tonight right off the bat to a very disturbing report that's been released by the Center for Investigative Reporting at CIROnline.org. Of course, the link will be in the show notes for tonight's episode. And they have this, uh, really disturbing story. More Americans support torture to fight terrorism poll finds. And basically, the long and short of it is that there was a YouGov poll that was conducted in August of a thousand people. That shows that up, uh, up to 41% of the population now support t- torturing prisoners as a way of extracting information or just, uh, just treating prisoners, I suppose, in this war on terror paradigm. And that is up, uh, 14 points from where it was in 2007 during the Bush years. So as we talked about, as we expected, as we had predicted, the, uh not only are is the right, uh the the neocon fake conservatives on board with the war on terror paradigm as they've always been, but now because the Obama Siah is sitting in the White House now the liberal Democrats are in, on board with it as well. So basically, you've got the entire phony political spectrum bought into and invested in this phony war on terror fight. And because they are, they're happy to have a Jack Bauer, uh, the Jack Bowers of the world out there torturing prisoners in the name of protecting freedom and democracy. Or something like that. So it's quite disturbing. I'll let you read through this uh, poll, these poll results, and and look at it for yourself. But yes, basically, people have literally um, taken on board, literally started to to adopt these policies that were actually somewhat controversial when they were first announced. But now it seems just like second nature. It's like the air we breathe. Of course, there's a war on terror. Of course, they're torturing prisoners. Of course, it's all okay. Well, of course it isn't all okay, but unfortunately this is part of that, uh, not that boiling frog analogy. It actually becomes the case where the boiling water seems like it's natural, seems like it's always been there, seems like, well, what's the, what's the big deal? It's just boiling water. It's always been like this. So now I guess we're crazy conspiracy theorists for thinking there was a time back when Americans actually professed that torturing prisoners was a bad thing. So now I guess we're just all supposed to buy into the party line that the war on terror is good, torturing prisoners is good, and it's all American. Let's salute the flag and torture some more prisoners. Well, there's a lot to be said about this war on terror and as it's developing, so tonight we're going to be breaking down some of the lies that are uh, being spread at this current time, going over some of the headlines, and breaking down what's really behind this war on terror paradigm. And the phone lines will be wide open tonight as well. Anything that you'd like to call in and talk about, 1-800-313-9443. If Mike in Maryland or Chuck in Texas are listening, you can call back in and finish up with what we uh, didn't have time to get to last night. Sorry about uh, squeezing you in at the end of the show there. So you or anyone else can call in and talk about whatever's on your mind. And we'll be back right after these messages. All right, welcome back to the broadcast, friends. This is Corbett Report Radio, and I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of western Japan. It's the 4th of October 2012 for me here, and the 3rd of October for those of you stateside. So tonight we are going over all of this information about the ongoing war-on-terror paradigm, that unfortunately is continuing to play out, even as we've been told many times in the past few years. So oh, that 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 war on terror is over and and it's all it's all done now. Well, of course, it continues to go on and continues to shape people's minds. And as we were talking about there before the break, there are still uh, there are people who are buying onto it even more and going along with these torture techniques and all of the other things that are coming out of this war on terror. But here's another piece of the puzzle that, uh, that's made some headlines and probably will be spun in a way that's politically convenient, but uh, let's take a look at it anyway. Uh, this, we'll take it from NPR, because why not? Uh, Senate panel finds anti-terror data-sharing centers were useless. And this goes into the latest uh, Senate subcommittee report on the efficacy, or lack thereof, of these uh, fusion centers, which are being called a bunch of crap, according to uh, Harold Skip Vandover, who was heading the reporting branch of the DHS. So that's uh, a pretty damning report in a lot of ways, and I will uh, show, I'll put the link there so that you can go and take a look at this article, and it links to the report itself, so you can have a read through of that. It's making quite a bit of headlines these days. And for those of you who did not actually uh, catch this story, or in fact don't even know what the fusion centers are, uh, well, let's turn to another report from, again, the Center for Investigative Reporting, which put out a video uh, a year ago explaining what the fusion centers are by way of an interview with uh, Lieutenant Tom Monahan, uh the director of the Southern Nevada Counterterrorism Center. So let's take a listen to a clip from that video.
1: In the days that followed 9-11, the 9-11 Commission identified the fact that much of the information that could have prevented the attacks was available to those that could have potentially intervened and and prevented it. But it was very closely held. It was held by individual agencies and not shared with others. And in some cases, it was held by individuals within the same agency and not shared. So the the 9-11 Commission identified this as the problem. Well, the essence of fusion centers is the solution to this problem. This is the, uh, the analytical deck of the Southern Nevada Counterterrorism Center. Um, essentially what we are doing here is we are trying to paint a picture of what's going on here locally, both from a crime perspective as well as a counterterrorism perspective. We bring in an analyst from the FBI. We bring in an analyst from the DHS, somebody from a big city police department, somebody from a small town police department, some fire folks, maybe some public health folks and we present them with a subjective set of facts and say, this is what has been observed. What do you think it means? What you see on the screens behind me are the computer-aided dispatcher, CAD displays. It's essentially a 21st century version of the old police scanner. We're engaged in the traditional crime-fighting mission here. What the crime analysts here are doing is they're looking at what's going on within the entire southern Nevada region. Are there any emergent patterns of homicides, any emergent patterns of uh, sexual assaults, robberies, burglaries, for example, which tend to be geographically located? And if a uh, trend is detected, then we have the ability to communicate that information to the field commanders that can take the appropriate measures in terms of getting cops where the problems are. Have the fusion centers caught uh, any terrorists or helped catch them, stop them? Uh, I I. Can't answer that with any degree of certainty, but I know that the Colorado Fusion Center had an integral role in the uh, Najibullah Zazi case. Um, I know that they are transmitting information on a daily basis to those that are responsible for catching. Again, Fusion Centers are not responsible for the investigation and the apprehension of terrorists. That responsibility falls exclusively by statute to the FBI. The, the suspicious activity reporting uh, is nothing more than what we've been encouraging people to do since the beginning of our country, and that is look out for each other, look out for your neighbor. Um, the old neighborhood watch that began back in the 70s and 80s, the See Something, Say Something campaign is nothing more than an extension to that, to the newest threat that Americans have been facing that we didn't have to face prior to 9-11, and that is uh, attacks against our country by terrorists. When we, at the Fusion Center in Las Vegas, collect suspicious activity reporting, it's not exclusively restricted to terrorism. So we do collect information on potential drug dealers, potential burglary series, because that is our role. It is the JTTF's role nationally to investigate acts of terrorism. Can we support that by acting as the wide end of the funnel, if you will? Yes, we can. We respond routinely on things that could be related to terrorism. But again, uh, how do you measure prevention? We don't know whether or not uh, we have encountered anything that, that could have resulted in a terror attack and thus prevented it. We'll never know that.
0: Oh, we we'll, we'll never know that we'll never know if we prevented a terror attack we'll never know if we had any effect whatsoever on these, this this uh, entire terror paradigm we'll just have to take it on faith i suppose that the good hard working men and win, men and women at these fusion centers were doing their level best and doing what they could to try to uh, to to uh, get these the, the the terrorists where they belong behind prisons so that they behind those uh, bars of prison so that they can be tortured Uh, Absolutely ridiculous, and that's the 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 pie-in-the-sky PR propaganda that they'd like you to believe about the data terror-sharing centers, the fusion centers, but uh, once again, I will direct you to that new Senate subcommittee report that really blows that entire theory out of the water and unfortunately because as we heard in that clip the fusion centers themselves were built upon predicated upon the so-called intelligence failures of 9-11 which i think anyone who's listening to this broadcast probably knows is not a failure in the sense that uh, it was mission accomplished the attacks went ahead and they happened, and the false flag event that started the entire war on terror paradigm went off almost without a hitch. It went pretty well for the, the perpetrators, so, uh, so I don't think you can call them intelligence failures. But, of course, that was the excuse that was used to create uh, the fusion centers and to roll out the Department of Homeland Security and all of the other apparatus of the war on terror. So, uh, so once again, if the fusion centers are found to be absolutely completely useless and ineffectual, well that can be t- chalked up to more intelligence failures. And what do we do when there's an intelligence failure? Do we, do we fire people? Do we start scrapping these agencies? Do we start dismantling the war on terrorist police state? Of course not. We give it more money. We, we put more people in charge of it. We make it more of a bureaucracy. And unfortunately that's almost Inevitably, the way these types of things play out, so we'll have to see what comes of this new Senate report. I'm not exactly holding my breath that the Department of Homeland Security is about to be dismantled or the fusion centers are about to go away. So we'll see, at any rate. But uh, but unfortunately, we continue to be steeped in all of this. And for those of you who are wondering if they're still pimping the Al-Qaeda war on terror boogeyman, uh, they most certainly are. So if you just want to do a, a Google News search for Al-Qaeda, you'll find all the latest stories from all around the world of this menacing boogeyman with the uh, turban and the beard who's hiding under every rock and behind every uh, lamppost just waiting to pounce out and attack you. And of course, we've seen the latest variation on this meme coming from North Africa in the last few weeks with these embassy attacks. And we have, for example, the Weekly Standard, of course, covering this in a blog post, Al-Qaeda responsible for four attacks on U.S. embassies in September. Talking about what happened, of course, uh, in Benghazi and what's been playing out since then and how this uh, plays into the war on terror paradigm and what's uh, what, all these protests that are taking place allegedly due to that video, right? The uh, the Innocence of Muslim video that, uh, that sparked this international outrage and sparked the protest in Benghazi, etc., Oh wait, it, that's not true. It was actually a pre-planned terror attack and the US knew that from the very beginning, but they've been talking about this video as a political distraction to make people think that it's just a bunch of senseless Muslims who don't know any better who are just trying to take away people's rights to free speech instead of actually protesting what the US policies in Libya was? Oh, right. Well, okay. Well, we'll have more on that later. We'll start to flesh that out. But uh, but more indications of the way that this uh, entire meme is playing out around the world, not just in the American context. We even have the French socialist government under Hollande now rolling out more of this and uh, stepping into line with the war on terror agenda. So from France, we have this uh, from independent.co.uk. France will arrest visitors to Afghan terror camps. Well, that sounds eminently reasonable. If you've gone to a terrorist training camp, you certainly deserve to be arrested, don't you? Well, of course, the devil is in the details with things like this, as I'm sure you're aware, and it depends what they say is or is not a terrorist training camp. So that, for example, you might remember we uh, were talking about globalist lies exposed here on the program a week ago. Well, uh, one of those uh, globalist lies was the the MEK has been delisted as a terror organization. Once again, that's the mujahideen e Khalq, which is uh, from Iran. It's based and operates in Iraq in what used to be a U.S. base that was vacated so that the MEK could stay there and stage their terror attacks on Iran. And they literally blow up civilians and commit terror attacks inside Iran. But since they're attacking civilians in our enemy's country, our enemy's country then they're good. They're not terrorists. So they've been delisted as a terrorist organization. They've been put on the good guys list. And uh, everything's peachy keen with them. So if you attend an MEK MEK training camp, you're okay. But of course, if you're part of this shadowy nebulous Al-Qaeda group that they get to define any way they want, well, then you're going to be arrested if you go to France. So that's uh, just more of how this entire agenda is falling into line. And uh, it, it, again, it's been playing out this exact same way for the past decade, so it, not exactly news there but once again it has to be shown and demonstrated and teased out and highlighted and underlined and shoved in people's faces that no actually when you start to peel back the layers NATO and the NATO forces in America and all of those western countries are in bed with al qaeda have been for years and are supporting their attacks in their enemies countries so we'll come back and we'll start outlining some of the uh, the aspects of that part of the agenda right after these messages Alright friends, welcome back. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Tonight we are going over the War on Terror agenda. If you'd like to get in with your opinions, thoughts, comments, criticisms, or questions, the phone lines are open at 1-800-313-9443. I'd be interested in your guys' take out there on what you think will be the next stage of this agenda, because certainly it is not being put to bed. and we are going to uh, probably go further into this entire war on terror paradigm. So, what do you think will be the next stages? Once again, one eight hundred three one three nine four four three. But let's uh, let's move on before the break. There, I was talking about the ways that, as I'm sure again, a lot of the listeners out there already know, the uh, the Al Qaeda boogeyman is not just a boogeyman, but it's actually some uh, a sword that the uh, the NATO forces have been using to strike at their enemies around the world for decades now, literally. And uh, and just more indications of that continue to come out, of course, from the hot spot of the Middle East, Syria, where, although it's not as much in the news these days, I guess they're not pushing that particular uh, war at this particular time, but it's still continuing to go on and continu- uh, civilians continue to die in terror attacks being committed by Western-supported al-Qaeda jihadists in the country. And uh, you don't have to step out on a limb and go to a crazy conspiracy source for that. You can go to the Wall Street Journal, which just had a, uh, a story from earlier today: car bombs rock Syrian city; deadly suicide attacks in Aleppo bear signs of jihadists signal bloodier phase. And here it's talking about how these attacks bore all the hallmarks of an Al Qaeda-linked or inspired uh, jihadist organization type of attack. Uh, and this is the type of rhetoric we've been used to hearing for years and years now about all of these supposed busted phony terror plots that we've outlined on this program before, always traced back to FBI informants and FBI money. But here is the Wall Street Journal talking about how these uh, attacks all bear all the hallmarks of an Al-Qaeda attack. And, oh, yeah, we're supporting these guys. We're on their side. And again, we don't have to uh, to just state that. We can back that up and show specifically exactly how these Al-Qaeda-linked jihadists are being supported by Western and specifically American money. And to do that, let's turn to an excellent article from the always invaluable Land Destroyer Report, landdestroyer.blogspot.com. And on, and on Land Destroyer, Tony Cardalucci had a report up just last week about Clinton's pledge to back Al-Qaeda in Syria. It goes under the headline, Surreal, Clinton Pledges 45 million dollars in aid to al-Qaeda in Syria. U.S. inundates terrorist legions with cash and support after regional embassy attacks and deaths of own ambassador. U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton announced that the U.S. would be providing an additional $45 million in non-lethal aid to the opposition in Syria, reported the Associated Press. The Western press chose their words carefully, ensuring that the term civilian opposition, was repeatedly used to describe the armed terrorist forces attempting to violently overthrow the Syrian government. In reality, the opposition in Syria constitutes foreign terrorist legions flowing across Syria's borders and, in particular, staging and crossing over from NATO member Turkey. In fact, it was recently admitted by the terrorist legions themselves that their headquarters has been located within Turkish territory for the duration of the conflict, in a recent France 24 article titled "Free Syrian Army Move HQ from Turkey to Syria," armed militants claimed they had only just recently moved from Turkey, from Turkey to within Syria. Clinton's aid is not going to Al Qaeda; is going to Al Qaeda, not a civilian opposition. While the Western media attempts to portray heavily armed foreign terrorists as Syria's civilian opposition. It has been revealed that entire brigades are led by Libyan terrorists drawn from the ranks of the U.S. State Department, U.K. Home Office, and U.N.-listed terror organization, the Libyan Islamic Fighting Group, LIFG. The presence of LIFG in Syria was first announced by the Western press in November of 2011 when the Telegraph in their article, Leading Libyan Islamist Met Free Syrian Army Opposition Group, reported... Abdul Hakim Belhaj, head of the Tripoli Military Council and the former leader of the Libyan Islamic Fighting Group, met with Free Syrian Army leaders in Istanbul and on the border with Turkey, said a military official working with Mr. Belhaj. Mustafa Abdul Jalil, the interim Libyan president, sent him there. I'll let you continue reading this article as it goes on to break down the characters that are behind this so-called Syrian opposition, which, as we see, is really connected to the UN and US and State Department-owned listed terror organizations that came out of the Libyan fighting. And that were supported in their attempts to uh, take down the Libyan government last year. Well, they're alive and kicking and doing well in Syria where they're starting to bomb the Syrian government or continuing to bomb the Syrian government forces and the civilians as well in Syria. Let's not forget these car bomb attacks, etc. are killing civilians and they are being praised by the likes of U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. No surprise there. So, once again, it is important to note that it is not just a uh, something that's thrown out there. It is a documented fact that U.S. funds and support is going directly to the al-Qaeda-linked jihadis who are killing civilians in these countries because they happen to be countries that the U.S. is interested in destabilizing. Again, nothing new there for anyone who's paying attention for any length of time, but it does help to be able to document that, and that Land Destroyer report is invaluable in doing so. So let's take another short break. We'll come back with more on what's happening in uh, Libya after these embassy attacks and more on this war on terror. Also, your phone calls, 1-800-313-9443. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. This is Corbett Report yeah. Radio on Republic Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And tonight we're going over some news and headlines on the uh, war on terror front, which unfortunately is that never-ending lie that we continue to be spoon-fed to the present day, and that we must continue to knock down the lies as they come out so that the public out there who hasn't cottoned on to them yet will do so. But on that note, we have a couple of callers waiting on the line, so let's get to your calls. First, let's go to Chuck in Texas. Chuck, thanks for calling back in tonight.
2: How you doing, brother? Good to talk to you again.
0: Good to talk to you, and sorry to cut you off last night. We just hit the end of the program.
2: Oh, well, i tell you what. It was a great show last night. It really, really was. And that, that was one of my pet peeves is this, you know, spy gear on the side of my house. And I will be pro- I will be proceeding with replacing that with an analog. And I'd seen the video before. So that, you know, that's uh, was on my list of things to do, among others. What I wanted to, to talk about tonight was, you know, we, we all, people who listen to RBN, in particular to you and John Statmiller's show, You know, we it just seems so big that people are, it's like it's so overwhelming that it's so stunning that they do nothing. And what people must understand, folks, you must just bring it down to the micro. If your local police do not support this, if your sheriff, it's enough grief. If he knows that the people are going to stand up and hold him personally responsible. If we talk to our neighbors and we prep and prep and prep, you know, uh, preppers, once you reach a certain point, a prepper realizes, man, I got enough stuff for my own family for a couple of years. Now, what about my neighborhood? And that's where the fight will be. Local. They can't control us if we have those around us aware and know that There's somebody in the neighborhood who's already warned them, and all of a sudden, we're the ones that they come to for answers, not the government.
0: Exactly right. I couldn't agree more. It is so important for people to understand that we can't affect what's happening on the big geopolitical stage directly, but we can affect what's happening in our own communities. And if we are prepared, and if we let others know what's uh, what's coming down the line, even if they laugh at us today, when it all starts to come true, we will be the people who will be in charge of, uh, of setting up that, that alternative community that hopefully will survive the disaster. And the more prepared you are today, a pound of, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, and that's exactly true on the, uh, the political scene as well. So that's why we're not concentrating on the phony political stage there in Washington and the debates and all of that sideshow circus. It's what you can do at your local level and what you can affect in your community that can
2: counts just start just start walking your dogs in the evening in your neighborhood and talking to people getting where they're used to seeing you and realizing that you're oh you're you're a nice guy then they find out later well as you as it progresses that you know oh that's that crazy guy on the corner with the, the six foot chain link fence and who has been you know giving this the the, uh, the city council a hard time and you know you must Make them know there's some other option than listening to what the government is telling them.
0: That's and then it. Have That's someone it.
2: else come through and say, I, I, I need help. And if they know you'll help them, prep, prep, prep beyond your own needs, prep to help your friends or neighborhood, and let's give them another option than the government
0: exactly right i couldn't agree more once again we do have to take it into our own hands and that means helping out people in your neighborhood and, and getting them on board with it as well and again you don't have to be chicken little running around with your head cut off screaming that the end is nigh but uh, just let people know that you're there and that uh, you want to to form a community that will survive anything that comes because again even if it's just a natural disaster or whatever anything that happens people uh, should know that uh, that you are uh, of someone in the community they can come to and and I think that's that's ultimately what's going to survive whatever comes. So, Chuck, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for your call tonight.
2: Talk to you later, buddy.
0: All right, take care. All right, let's let's uh, let's go to Chris in Las Vegas. Chris, thanks for calling in.
2: Why, good evening, James. What a distinct pleasure it is to speak with you again.
0: Long time no talk. How are you doing tonight?
2: It has been a while, although we are still on the same pathway, I see, as we're both notating this Hillary Clinton the uh let's call it a reptilian uh New World Order agenda pro se executioner, who was specifically caught uh, espousing the false flag scenario as a proper course for US interests and others to prosecute against drawing the Middle East uh, enemy into their sights. And also Pete Santelli had caught, uh, I believe it was Patrick Clawson of the Washington Institute, a Trotskyite Zionist supporter from the IMF and other agencies, uh, spousing a topical possibility of a submarine going down and not coming back up scenario, which I think was a couched suggestion of the Enterprise uh, scenario that was put forth uh, reasonably earlier of sinking it in the harbor of the Gulf of
0: Persia. That's right, and for people who didn't catch that clip, I did play it on the show last week, and basically this Patrick uh, Clausen character was talking about all of the staged events in history that have been used to start wars, from the USS Maine to the Gulf of Tonkin to Pearl Harbor, and saying, well, something like that could happen with the uh, the Iran war to get things started. So absolutely, they're out there openly advocating false flag terror attacks as a way to kick off war. Surprise, surprise.
2: Well, at least we have a... uh A group singing in the same song so that we know explicitly what the mindset of these have taken over the U.S. government and are using it for their own private, personal, profitable agendas as opposed to looking out for America's interests.
0: Exactly right. Well, uh, on the note of uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, the things that she's been up to, I'm going to be working on a podcast episode for CorbettReport.com that will be out next Monday about the Clintons, Bill and Hillary and where they come from and the things they've been involved with. So I'm going to be digging up uh, a lot of their past and I hope people will tune in for that. But Chris, thank you for the call tonight.
2: We'll be anxiously awaiting it, James. Thank you so much, and stay out of the radiation over there.
0: I'll try my best, and thank you for that. All right, well, on that note of uh, what's happening in the Middle East and the false flags and events that are being used to kick off a greater agenda, let's just turn again to to Libya and what happened there with the Benghazi consulate attack it was really more of a safe house it wasn't even in Benghazi it was the next town over but let's not let the facts get in the way of a good story and this was a great story because again using this uh, supposed video as the supposed reason for this attack uh, to 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 justify what happened there is to basically make it sound like oh it was just a bunch of crazy Muslims it had nothing to do with our foreign policy Obama's spotless blah 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 so it was uh, something of a PR spin on the U.S. government's behalf and uh, surprise surprise it's starting to come out oh they were basically lying to the public for at least two weeks. And the latest on this is from the National Post from Canada. They have this story from Reuters. U.S. told within hours Libya attack was probably a planned terror plot, but stuck to protest story for two weeks. So again, it's continuing to unravel and now you're getting more and more of the insiders coming out and saying openly, yeah, we knew it was a terror attack, but they went with the, the protest story because again, it was politically expedient. So that might be a good story to direct some of our less, uh, uh more incredulous uh, friends to, towards to at least get them to, to take a peek behind the curtain and show yes, these terror attacks are being used in propaganda ploys and they're lying to us about them, and the truth comes out later. So with this Benghazi attack, again, it was not this Muslim video, the anti-Muslim video on YouTube that started it. It was a pre-planned terror plot, and the U.S. knew that from the get-go, but they lied to the public for weeks. Again, surprise, surprise. But again, this entire Libyan thing is being spun off into convenient uh, political... Tit for tat and back and forth between the two sides of the same phony war on terror paradigm coin, the same two sides of the spectrum that are really just one end of a continuous circle that doesn't really ever break. And we get this from examiner.com. We have uh, Pelosi coming out and blaming Republicans for the terror attack and lax security in Benghazi. And just before we were talking about how the entire Fusion Center uh, idea was set up in the wake of 9-11 because of the intelligence failures of 9-11... Well, now uh, Pelosi is attempting to say that, oh, well, this Benghazi attack was because of lack security, which was because of a lack of funding. So now she's blaming Republicans for not approving the $300 million extra that the State Department had asked for in its budget. And because the Republicans said no to that, that's why this attack happened. So the message, the take-home message from this political wrangling is that the more money you throw in the government the safer everyone will be so i guess i mean if they just raised taxes to a reasonable level like say uh, i don't know 99 percent so that you'd get one cent for every dollar you earned which is probably enough for the scraps that you eat you you underlings eat right if we if we took 99 cents out of every dollar that you earned for the government then then everyone would be pretty much safe maybe 99 percent safe that's, that's the take-home message from this type of wrangling. So uh, so again, it's, it's disgusting, but it happens every single time. Every single time there is a failure, every time there's an attack that kills someone or there's some kind of big event that makes the headlines, they will find a way to spin it towards their political agenda and to try to get even more money, even more power into the hands of the government that has failed in all of its tasks. And again, I stress that the failure is only at the our level. It's only meant for the base propaganda. Of course, it is not a failure. It is, in fact, a giant win for the people who want to keep expanding the size and scope of government and want these attacks to take place because it feeds into the agenda. So we've talked a little bit about what some of this shenanigans in libya and the maghazi attack and these protests might be aiming at in the bigger picture why would they want these types of attacks to occur well i've said it from pretty much the get-go and here it is in black and white i've been saying that well this provides a convenient foot in the door for more u.s troops and potentially even an africom stronghold in north africa as opposed to Germany, where AFRICOM is currently hiding out because they don't have a base in Africa. Well, this, this type of destabilization, the more protest and violence and anger and bloodshed there is in North Africa, the more excuse AFRICOM and NATO and all of these Western forces have for putting their, uh, sticking their nose even further into the situation. And that's exactly what we're getting now. We have this from the national.ae. Planned U.S. drone attacks in Libya threaten fragile country. And it says, It would seem that the assassination of the U.S. ambassador in Libya, Christopher Stevens, along with three of his colleagues on September 11th, is proving to be a strategic turning point in U.S. politics in North Africa. This is evidenced by the sudden interest from the U.S. administration in Libya's security situation, said the London-based daily Al-Quds al-Arabi in its Wednesday edition. Americans were shocked by the assault on the U.S. consulate in Benghazi last month. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton expressed it best when she said she didn't expect that the same people that her country had helped liberate and protect would actually commit such a crime. U.S. investigations revealed that the Ansar al-Sharia group, an organization affiliated with al-Qaeda, was responsible for the planning and execution of the deadly assault. It was an eye-opener to what was really going on in the post gaddafi Libya. There are so many points that I need to break down in this article alone, all of the lies they're spouting. Oh, no one thought that this would ever lead to any sort of terrorist group taking charge of Libya, even though that's the people we were helping. The Washington Post reported this week that the U.S. administration is considering a series of drone-led airstrikes against al-Qaeda bases in North Africa. Other news reports reveal that the U.S. government has already dispatched 20 drones to Libya where they await the green light to commence their military mission. Did you catch that, folks? The drones are already sitting there waiting for the green light. All they need is the political will to be mustered in order to start striking again at the Libyans and bombing them and blowing their country to pieces once again. And again, all enabled because of these failures to protect the uh, the diplomats and the state department's underfunding so it 's a win 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 for the big government proponents who will now suggest that the State Department needs more money for more security and we have to greenlight drone strikes in Libya and probably elsewhere in north africa and if we 're running all these drone strikes, we probably need more bases in africa so let 's start uh, let 's start uh, apportioning ourselves some of the the land there i 'm sure the new Libyan government would be happy to give us that and well, if they don't, I guess we can always just bomb them again. And then when these types of attacks happen, we can continue the entire lie by saying, wow, I can't believe these people that we protected and aided and fostered and cuddled during our humanitarian love bombing last year are now attacking our embassies. It's just a ridiculous piece of theater from top to bottom And we are all being played as the chumps if we continue to buy into these lies. Of course, I know that the most of the people out there in the audience listening to this program probably do not buy into these lies. But again, we have to continue exposing them because they keep coming fast and furious. And on that note, let's uh, skip to the other major destabilized hotspot. We've talked about Syria. We've talked about Libya. Well, next on the chopping block, of course, the big crown jewel that they're lusting after as the next domino to fall after Syria is Iran. It's always been Iran. Iran is in the crosshairs, and I'm glad to note that my latest eye-opener report, Iran is already under attack. Is drawing such uh, such criticism is causing a lot of uh, heated debate there on YouTube, which shows that I have uh, snuck behind enemy lines and started implanting some of these ideas in places where people would, I guess, not normally be expecting to find them. So we're getting a lot of kickback from people who think that Israel is wonderful and great and protectors of the peace there in middle in the Middle East, and they can do no wrong. And of course, Iran needs to be eradicated from the face of the planet. So we're getting a lot of angry kickback there on YouTube. ...on that latest eye-opener report, and that's a good thing. If you want to go check it out yourself, it's up there at YouTube.com slash report. But, of course, the full report is up there on BoilingFrogsPost.com. So you can watch that and read the transcript if you uh, don't have a subscription. But Iran is definitely in the crosshairs. It's already under attack through economic sanctions and cyber warfare... ...and, uh, and the assassinations, targeted assassinations of nuclear scientists. And just to add a little bit of insult to the injury... We have this from the australian.com.au. You might have heard about uh, the recent court case, which concluded that Iran somehow was partially responsible for 9-11. Well, a U.S. court has just uh, upheld that and ordered Iran and al-Qaeda to pay $6 billion in compensation to the victims of 9-11. Just a... Bizarre ruling. I, I, to this day, I still don't understand how Iran and Ayatollah al-Khamenei has been implicated in 9-11, despite the fact that that didn't seem to come up anywhere in any of even the phony staged investigations that the u.s government committed i don't know how they're getting hezbollah and 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 iran involved in this but here it is now apparently iran and al-qaeda jointly are supposed to be paying six billion dollars to the 9-11 victims and i suppose when they don't obviously pay this six billion dollars that's just another excuse to demonize them look they won't even pay the victims of 9-11 not, of course, taking into account the U.S. government's failure to even provide health care to the first responders who literally gave their lives to drag people out of the burning buildings that day. Just a sickening state of affairs all around, and that's the type of lives we're dealing with. Let's take another short break. We'll be back to wrap things up and take a little bit closer look at what's coming for Iran. So stay tuned right there. We'll be back after these messages. One day in
1: Manhattan.
0: All right, friends, welcome back. This is Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight we've been breaking down the War on Terror mythology and where things are heading. And I think if there's any prediction that I could make about where this is likely to go next... It is in a story like this one. It's just been posted to cyberspacewar.blogspot.com. Of course, the, the, uh, the journal, the blog of our good friend James Evan Pilato, also of mediamonarchy.com. And it's a, uh, it's a doozy. Huge cyber attack on U.S. banks allegedly came from the Middle East. The hackers behind the cyber attacks on major U.S. banks have repeatedly disrupted online banking by using sophisticated and diverse tools that point to a carefully coordinated campaign, according to security researchers. The hackers, believed to be activists in the Middle East were highly knowledgeable about the defensive equipment used by the banks. Oh, how convenient. And likely spent months on reconnaissance, said several researchers interviewed by Reuters, who viewed the assaults as among the strongest and most complex the world has seen to date. And uh, you can go and continue reading that. It's basically, it's striking the Bank of America, J.B. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, the other big six banks that have been implicated in the mortgage-backed security frauds and all the lies that have led to the collapse of the global economy and putting the entire world at the uh, the brink of economic Armageddon. But trust them, they're, they're being attacked by these Middle Eastern protesters and cyber warriors. And this is the big boogeyman that's going to cause the collapse of the banking system. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So this is a story that we go over, me and James go over on the latest edition of New World Next Week. That will be posted in the next several hours. It'll be tomorrow morning for you guys stateside. So please look forward to that. Of course, that's at newworldnextweek.com. Of course, it's also at corbettreport.com, youtube.com slash report. Uh, MediaMonarchy.com, all the usual places you'll be able to find it. And uh, I hope you will because this is such an important piece of the puzzle. If I have to lay odds of what the next big stage of the war on terror phony propaganda paradigm is going to be, I think it's going to be the cyber false flag, the virtual flag terrorism. Because it fits into the agenda in so many ways. It slots right in there, especially an attack on the banks from the Middle East. You get to blame Iran. You get to collapse the banking system, have the little bank holiday that they're lusting after so that they can jigger jigger around with the currency and, uh, and make things all better by, uh, by giving you less or new or funny colored uh, pieces of uh, Federal Reserve note funny money. Uh, they get to demonize the internet and hackers and crack down on free speech online. They get to hit so many pieces of the puzzle just by uh, doing a false flag attack on the banks, supposedly coming from Iran or Syria or whatever boogeyman they want to blame for this. So, again, we have to be out in front of that wave exposing what's happening before it happens, and that's really our ace card because if we can show people before it happens exactly what's going to happen, how they're going to do it, what type of lies they're going to bring out, then people will understand when the time comes that it is fake. And don't get disheartened about this. We have done so much work over the past 10 years exposing the false flag terrorism concept. 9-11 Truth has made such strides in making this a, a, a meme that's understandable to so much of the public. And just because every single person out there isn't quite awake to this yet doesn't mean that we've lost. In fact, it means we are gaining ground every day because more people are tuning in to this type of information. On that note, I'll leave things there. I will uh, once again exhort you to go to CorbettReport.com to keep track of all the latest news and information that's coming out there. I just posted a new interview. This week's podcast episode is particularly interesting, if I do say so myself. Of course, it's all available for free thanks to the subscribers and supporters out there. Your support is appreciated. All the DVD orders are very much appreciated. Let's leave things there for t- for now. Tomorrow night we'll be talking to Peter Kirby about weather, warfare, and financial derivatives. It should be a fascinating conversation. So until then, thank you all for listening. Take care.